Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Before we start the show, I want to let you know something. My latest novel, Personal Fable, is free for the next uh, few days. So if you're hearing this ad, it's currently free if you're a Kindle user. So just look it up on your Kindle. If you don't have a Kindle, you can even get one of those for free by getting the free Kindle app on your phone. And then head over, get Personal Fable, have a read, and if you love it, leave a review. And I hope you love the story. Now, let's get on with the podcast. P.S. The promotion runs the 11th, 12th and 13th of March. Welcome back to the Hemingway List. Book 4, Chapter 8 of War and Peace. Oh, it's just about to fall asleep. I was, every couple of months, for my whole adult life, <laughs> I've had the realisation, probably biannually, I've had the realization that um, I've never watched Citizen Kane, supposedly the best film of all time. And so tonight I put it on and I've just been watching it. I've watched the first, I don't know, half hour and I was struggling to keep my eyes open. Uh, So then rather than fall asleep, I pressed stop and I got up and I sat at my computer and here I am doing the podcast. Um, so I've still got sort of half a sleep brain. That's okay. This chapter, these are the discussion prompts. This chapter deals mostly with the families waiting through Lisa's labor. What does this chapter show about how childbirth was treated among the aristocracy at this time? What do you think of the belief that the less people know about the suffering of woman in labor, the less she suffers? Andre returns... What do you think of his return? Were you surprised? And do you think his relationship with Lisa will change going forward? How about with the rest of his family? Ikar 100 said, Damn, what a cliffhanger. I was worried sick about Andre. Honestly cared more about his return and what the family was thinking about him than the entire birth part in the middle. It is a good bit, but I couldn't focus without knowing whether Andre was alive or dead. I sounded like a bloody schoolgirl. I hope this will lead to their relationship changing for the better. His captivity and the birth of his child should probably get him to reevaluate the way he sees life. Warren Kovofi says, What a relief Andre is alive. I'm hoping that he can meet up with Pierre before too long because Pierre probably could use some wisdom right about now. Yeah, good call. Uh, all I can say about childbirth is this time is that I'm glad we've modernized as much as we have. I mostly felt that Andre didn't die since his body was never retrieved. I didn't expect him to show up so soon, though. It's a welcome surprise. Andre seemed to experience an epiphany after Austerlitz. I'm guessing that he appreciates what he has in his family and Eliza. It's a shame that, like, we're so used to, you know, the the tropes of storytelling now that things that were probably quite a good twist... In uh, the 1800s, storytelling-wise, now we can sort of see them coming. And, you know, that is... You know, I don't know. It's a cool twist. I think I, I don't think I saw it coming the first time I read it. But, um, yeah, it's a shame that you kind of suspect it. Because, like, when, when we don't see the body, we think, Oh, okay. You know, when's he going to rock up? Just in the nick of time, I bet. And then, lo and behold, there he is. Angel of the Dawn says, Tolstoy did such a good job making the reader care about the characters. 
I don't think I realised I cared so much for Andre and Maya and the rest until these last few chapters. Stephen Fox Bat said, I would be surprised if he doesn't revert to his old ways. I think he's probably a good guy, but he's a chip off the old block. It's very hard to change at that age. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? A lot of comments on today's one. It was a, uh, I guess it's quite an emotional and provocative chapter. Thought-provoking, maybe is the better word. All right, let's keep reading. Right on to, uh, what are we up to? Nine, chapter nine. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, reading Maud again. Maud. Goes like this. The little princess lay supported by pillows with a white cap on her head. The pains had just left her. Strands of her black hair lay round her inflamed and perspiring cheeks. Her charming rosy mouth with its downy lip was open and she was smiling joyfully. Prince Andre entered and paused facing her at the door of the sofa, sorry, at the foot of the sofa on which she was lying. Her glittering eyes, filled with childlike fear and excitement, rested on him without changing their expression. I love you all and have done no harm to anyone. Why must I suffer so? Help me, her look seemed to say. She saw her husband but did not realise the significance of his appearance before her now. Prince Andre went round the sofa and kissed her forehead. My darling, he said, a word he had never used to her before. God is merciful. She looked at him inquiringly and with childlike reproach. I expected help from you and I get none, none from you either, said her eyes. She was not surprised at his having come. She did not realise that he had come. His coming had nothing to do with her sufferings or with her relief. The pangs began again, and Mary Bogdanovna advised Prince Andre to leave the room. The doctor entered. Prince Andre went out, and meeting Princess Mary, again joined her. They began talking in whispers, but their talk broke off at every moment. They waited and listened. Go, dear, said Princess Mary. Prince Andre went again to his wife and sat again, and sat waiting in the room next to hers. A woman came from the bedroom with a frightened face and became confused when she saw Prince Andre. He covered his face with his hands and remained so for some minutes. Piteous, helpless animal moans came through the door. Prince Andre got up, went to the door and tried to open it. Someone was holding it shut. You can't come in, you can't, said a terrified voice from within. He began pacing the room. The screaming ceased and a few more seconds went by. Then suddenly a terrible shriek. It could not be hers. She could not scream like that, came from the bedroom. Prince Andre ran to the door, the scream ceased, and he heard the wail of an infant. What have they What have they taken a baby in there for? thought Prince Andre in the first second. A baby? What baby? Why is there a baby there? Or is the baby born? Then suddenly he realised the joyful significance of the wail. Tears choked him, and leaning his elbows on the window sill, he began to cry, sobbing like a child. The door opened. The doctor, with his shirt sleeves tucked up without a coat, pale and with a trembling jaw, came out of the room. Prince Andre turned to him, but the doctor gave him a bewildered look and passed by without a word. A woman rushed out and, seeing Prince Andre, stopped, hesitating on the threshold. He went into his wife's room. She was laying dead in the same position he had seen her in five minutes before, and despite the fixed eyes and the pallor of the cheeks, the same expression was on her charming, childlike face 
with its upper lip covered with tiny black hair. I love you all and have done no harm to anyone. And what have you done to me? said her charming, pathetic, dead face. In a corner of the room, something red and tiny gave a grunt and squealed in Mary Bogdanovna's trembling white hands. Two hours later, Prince Andrei, stepping softly, went into his father's room. The old man already knew everything. He was standing close to the door, and as soon as it opened, his rough old arms closed like a vice round his son's neck, and without a word he began to sob like a child. Three days later, the little princess was buried, and Prince Andrei went up to the up the steps to where the coffin stood to give her the farewell kiss. And there in the coffin was the same face, though with closed eyes. Ah, what have you done to me? It still seemed to say. And Prince Andrei felt that something gave way in his soul, and that he was guilty of a sin he could neither remedy nor forget. He could not weep. The old man, too, came up and kissed the waxen little hands that lay quietly crossed one on the other on her breast, and to him, too, her face seemed to say, Ah, what have you done to me, and why? And at the sight, the old man turned angrily away. Another five days passed, and then young Prince Nicholas Andreevich was baptised. The wet nurse supported the coverlet with her chin, while the priest with a goose feather anointed the boy's little red and wrinkled soles and palms. His grandfather, who was his godfather, trembling and afraid of dropping him, carried the infant round the battered tin font and handed him over to the godmother, Princess Mary. Prince Andrei sat in another room, faint with fear lest the baby should be drowned in the font, and awaited the termination of the ceremony. He looked up joyfully at the baby when the nurse brought it to him and nodded approval when she told him that the wax with the baby's hair had not sunk in the font, but had floated. All right, there we go. Another chapter down. Oh. Oh. Ouch. (laughs) Poor Lisa. Oh, my God, that hurts. What have you done to me, her face said. Oh, dear. Very, uh, very well written, Tolstoy. Even the second time reading that, it still is impactful, you know. Ouch. All right, guys, have your say over at the subreddit. Thanks for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.